Good morning from me. It's excellent to be in a setting like this because uh, years ago when I accepted uh, Jesus, it was in a small, much, much smaller church, uh, but it was a church full of young people, so it's like um, uh, being in a home, so it's uh, marvelous. Uh, I believe that all of us, sometimes we are doing, 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 doing things, uh, and then we hear somebody like Steve or uh, Kathy describe what we are doing, and we look around and see who is doing all these things. Is this about me? <laughs> because we do not really understand how, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can impact the world around us. Uh, before I start sharing, I want to watch a video. Yes. And uh, this video was a prophetic video. We created, actually. It was a vision that my husband, Elias, had. And then we asked a friend to put on a map setting, what God has told my husband, Elias. So let's see the video and then I will continue. مهما كان الحال حتقدر اللي بتشق البحور مهما كان على الأرض ضلمة السم مليانة نور مهما كان الحال حتقدر اللي بتشق البحور مهما كان على الأرض ضلمة السم مليانة نور زي ما جالك نحميا بالبكا ونادى عليك كلنا جايين بنصرخ يا يسوع مدي ايديك بارك بلادي بارك بلادي يا سامي الصلاة في كل البشر If you wonder what these circles, red circles and fires in the middle are, it is actually the tense that God said to my husband that we started in the Middle East, which eventually started, and Elias had this back in 2013, and eventually we would see the war in Syria and then tension in many other Middle Eastern countries to, to start, and thousands of refugees would come in, through Turkey to Greece. This is where the arrow is about. And from Greece to the other European countries, and then back to Middle East. So what we see here is that actually God is really breaking a unique breakthrough to the Middle East. Till now, we were sending missionaries to the Middle East, but now God has a different plan. He breaks this Middle East, he's using the tension in these countries, and out of this, the people, they are living, and most of them, they have such a spiritual hunger that they denounce Islam in order to accept Christ. 
It's incredible that because of this spiritual hunger that they have, God is blessing them with visions, with dreams, and um, with words that there is no way for them to know because they have never even seen a Bible in their hands. So they come and they say, I had this dream of Jesus, but they don't know who he is because they have never read in, uh, the Bible. So it is a very unique um, opportunity and a revelation that the Middle Eastern world has by God. By the other hand, I believe that also God is shaking the church. And this is very, very good. He's shaking the church so that all of us, we may have a total view of Christianity. We can have a totally different view of discipleship and a totally different view of how to conduct ourselves. And we need to be shaken as a church. When we started the Bible studies, Back in 2013, we had a few Christians, other by name, other converted, and then we had a full room of Muslims. Do you know what happened? The Christians went out. They didn't want to sit at the same table in the same chair with, an, uh, with the Muslims. So are we ready to accept these nations? Are we ready to see how God is taking us in order to accept them? And also to get out of our chairs get out of our comfort zone in order to go and minister to them and expand the, the, uh, the kingdom. Because we have it very easy, but not for them. So let me read something. This is a letter that one of our uh, friends uh, accepted, uh, received, sorry. Uh, one of our friends uh, received. This is uh, Karar. Karar uh, got converted in, uh, in Greece a few years ago, and he's ministering with uh, us. Stephen had uh, met uh, Karar and uh, his family. So uh, a couple of months ago, he received um, a letter. So let me read to you part of this. In the name of the merciful and compassionate God, the honorable General Sikh, greetings and mercy from God and blessings. I have already informed you verbally concerning Karar, the defector who changed from being in the real Islamic religion and accepted the Christian religion. After we found out, and according to what you suggested, I communicated with two individuals, the first of which is one of our cousins, who saw with his own eyes and lived for quite some time with Karar, and the second is also a trusted friend, and they both are willing to swear before you that Karar defected from the real Islamic religion and accepted the Christian religion and that he is working in a church, this is us, Bridges, as a servant as they describe him. Honorable Sikh, may God keep you well. We ask that you issue a letter, share to all the tribes that we denounce the defector Karar definitely and irrevocably, giving permission for his death and punishment wherever he might be found. We as a tribe, we will not retaliate for his blood. Also, he will be deprived from his heir in his inheritance. His belongings are to be confiscated. Any financial debt towards him are to be given to his family in Iraq as spoils. So, he accepted Christ and then he accepted this letter that they are looking for his blood. But this is their reality, actually. And this man, he was a Muslim, he denounced Islam, he became a Christian, and then he lost more. 
he actually lost of his heritage back in, in Iraq, he lost his house, he lost the only money that he had back, so he lost actually everything. So, by the other hand though, if we come to us, to my amazement, the, the last days that uh, I'm, 10 days now that I'm in Seattle, I continuously hear some words when I share the Christ. And the words are, how do we preach about Christ in a country that we can afford everything? In a country that we need nothing and I can buy nothing and there is no need, how can I share about Christ? And then the next sentence that I heard is that we live in a culture that it is a culture of no pain. I don't want to have any pain. So I have to find a way to cover my pain or resolve it as quickly as possible. So we see that the blessings that God has given to our Christian community, it has actually become a stumbling rock. John Stotte had said that the first step towards the recovery of our Christian heritage, we need to recover. We need to recover from our Christian heritage. And we will see later, uh, down later, that uh, we are so much used to say that we are Christians, but we forget that we are disciples. We forget that we are followers of Jesus. So we need to recover from our Christian heritage and step out. So John Stott said that the first step towards to recover from our Christian heritage will be the humble recognition that our culture blinds, deafens, and dopes us. So we have been doped. We have been in a coma because we have everything. So now we have to wake up and step out for the kingdom of God because we are born and we are fed and grown to a culture that actually marginalizes the passion for God and marginalizes God himself. But we don't want this in our life. We don't want to be Christians by name. We want to have Jesus in the center of our life. The Bible says that we are an army of God. What do we fight for? What is the thing that we are pushing against? What is the thing that we are giving our warriors and we go out to find and, and gain what? For the kingdom of God. We are fighting for what? Yes, it doesn't matter if we are busy. Maybe we are very busy. And maybe we are doing lots of works and lots of programs and lots of projects. That's fine. But is Jesus in the middle of all this? Do we literally conquer the world for his grace? Because God is challenging us with these Muslims that literally they denounce their religion, they accepted Christ, and now they lose more. But they stay faithful. What about us? So it's, it's like we need to dust ourselves for the Christian heritage that we have and accept the living grace of Jesus and live it out along with his authority. Because in Revelation 2 and chapter 4, when Jesus Christ talks to the church in Ephesus, he says that, I'm not going to read the verse from the sake of time, he says that you have done and I know all your good works and you have endured and you have shown patience and you have everything but you have lost your first love. So this church was doing everything, but then Jesus comes and actually rebukes them and say, repent. Repent and go back to your first love. Or, or if not, 
I will come and I'm going to remove the lampstand. What does this mean in our days? Actually, there are many churches, lovely churches, but the lampstand of Jesus has been removed. Yes, the worship may be there, the preaching may be there, projects and programs and people and fellowship, but not Jesus. But we don't want to be these kind of people. We don't want to be these kind of, uh, of um, uh, Christians. Because what has happened, we, have re we need to repent from our culture. We need to come back and uh, repent from our easy and sweet and nice Christianity. And behave like we are citizens of heaven. This is what really matters. Not if we have the Greek culture, the American, or the Middle Eastern, but to have the culture of heaven, to understand that we are citizens of heaven because we have absorbed by our culture and we're actually trying to ease our pain. And what happens is that actually we face a spiritual hunger because we have been in a spiritual coma and we do not react. We see the world collapse around us and we do not react. But we have to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us that we are citizens of heaven. This is not our place. America and Greece and the Middle East is not our country. We are citizens of heaven. So in Luke 18, um, Jesus talks about the parable of the persistent uh, widow. Why was he persistent? Because he was looking for justice. So there is a specific need that this lady had. And because she realized her need, she was knocking the door continuously and continuously till the time that she would receive what she wanted. Do we have any need? Do we feel that we are spiritually hungry? Do we keep knocking on the door? And this is why Jesus continues and says, but if the son of, when the Son of God comes back, is he going to find faith on this earth? Do we feel that we have been spiritually doped? From, and we've done this from the blessings that God has given us. And we are stumbling of these blessings because we thought that these are more important than Jesus himself. So we need to repent out of this. In, uh, in the book of Philippians, Chapter 1 and verse 27, Paul says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In the Greek translation, for the word conduct is behave according to your citizenship. And in the same book, chapter 3 and verse 20, Paul continues, But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. So, is our culture the Greek, or the American, or the Middle Eastern? Here it says that we are citizens of heaven. It's not about what our passport says, but it is about what the world, the world says. Because if we are citizens of heaven, then it means that we have to obey the laws of heaven, to follow the principles of heaven, to have the relationship and the behavior of heaven, and also to be ready to face the sufferings of the heaven. Are we ready for this? 
because we will all say that we want to expand the kingdom of God. But how can we expand the kingdom of God if we don't know? If, don't, if we don't know what are the laws of the kingdom, if we are not ready to die for the kingdom, if we do not care about how much we can expand actually this, um, this um, kingdom, if we have not been saturated by the culture of the kingdom, because our culture is so good and it's so easy to live in it, but we have to saturate it by the culture of heaven. This is what we need to bear. I mean, this, uh, some of the time as foreigners here, you can go out and the people, they can say, oh, I can hear your pronunciation. Where are you from? So immediately they can recognize that I'm not from states. So what about us, the people around us? Do they ever come near to us and say, you have something different. What is it? What can I say to you? You are not from here. Yes, I'm from heaven, and this is why I behave differently, and this is why I behave with the power of God, and this is why I use the authority of the Holy Spirit, and this is why I'm going to come down and pray for you, and I'm going to expect that I expect that I expect that I'm going to see Jesus at work, and I'm going to see the one miracle after the other, because God has given me the authority. But this is citizenship of heaven, and I, I work with the tools and the, the uh, anointment that God has actually given me. Are we ready for this? Are we ready to give up our heritage and move towards for, the, uh, for what God has prepared for us? At the book of Acts chapter 9 and uh, verses 15 and 16, the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So here God is calling actually Ananias, who is a Jewish, to give up what he was believing till this time. He thought that Paul was prosecutor, but said, no, 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 forget about this. Forget about your beliefs. Forget about the rumors. Forget about your safety. Just go and talk to this person. And then as for Paul, he actually says, forget about what you think that these Christians, they have to be persecuted. You have a new call in me. But it's very interesting that he doesn't say to Ananias, go to Paul and tell him how many miracles he's going to do. He doesn't tell him in how many nations he's going to preach the gospel. He doesn't tell him that every single letter that he wrote is going to be part of our holy world today. He says, go and tell him how much he must suffer. We don't want to hear this. It would be lovely if God would come to us and say, you know something, keep writing and keep preaching and everything, all of these generations later, they're going to say that this is my holy word. Everyone would be happy. But what about when God says and say, you are going to represent me. You are my ambassador and because of this you are going to suffer. So let's move out of this coffin zone and the, the blessings of God. And it's good to have the blessings of God, but it's not for us. It is to expand the kingdom that we are citizens of. And this is a very important because the time is, is so near. These people that I read about, Karar and many, many more other like Karar, they had everything. And in less than an hour, all of their 
heritage and all of their inheritance, it was in a backpack. It can happen to all of us. So what do you think that we can put in this backpack? And how easy can we start again our life if we are not absolutely breathing the same air with Christ? Not just to know the word, which is very important, but to live the word. To live the word on an everyday basis. Because as a, a citizens of heaven, in Luke, it says that uh, the kingdom of heaven is in us. The kingdom of God is in us. And what it says at the book of Romans, that as we go, do we also take with us the justice and the joy and the peace which only the presence of the Holy Spirit can bring? We cannot just repeat words. We are citizens of heaven. The kingdom of God in, is in us. And wherever we go, not Sunday church, wherever we go, Sunday morning, we're just getting together to worship together. The church continues outside and there and there and the job and the school and the neighborhood and our families. This is, this is just to be together and worship together. But the church is not just Sunday. So are we ready to realize this, that we continue to be the body of Christ every single minute of our life? So if here you, you are hanging your persons and say, can I pray for you? Do you do this the same with the person who works to the neighborhood in the bakery? She really has a very big problem. And maybe she's sick. Have, you, have we ever asked her? Have we ever been witnesses for her? Because we are part, we are part of the kingdom. We are part of the kingdom. And we need to take this. And we are called actually to advance the kingdom. So this is our call. We have nothing else to do apart to, to advance the kingdom. And the way, of course, to advance the kingdom is the discipleship. And I know that some of you, you have heard me tons of time talking about discipleship. But if we do not breathe Christ, and if we do not have the whole passion for discipleship, how are we going to advance kingdom? And sometimes we think that if we are converted, if we are Christians, that's fine. This means that we are advancing the kingdom. No. I have grown up as a Christian. I've grown up to an Orthodox family. But when I found Jesus, I realized that I was far away from what God was expecting me to do. Really far away. So I had to repent and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I knew about you, but I had nothing to do with you. So knowledge, it's not enough. And this is why if we, need to, if we want to advance the kingdom, then we need to disciple. We need to, to fulfill, actually, the Great Commission, because this is what Jesus said before him, uh, he left. And this is why I differentiate between Christian and disciple. I was asking the other time some guys, do you believe that you are a Christian or a disciple? And sometimes we think it's identical, but it's not. You can be a Christian and not be a disciple. Because the disciple is the one who is going to obey and obey and obey, and he's going to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn by him and actually put in action whatever he is telling him to do. So the Christian 
can have an, identi an identity, an ID that says religion, Christian, finish. But we cannot bring an impact to our generation and to the next generation. And we see that God is really shaking the world this time. So we don't want to lose this opportunity. We don't want to do, to do this just because of our comfort, just because of what we have been inherited. So let's move out, actually, and let's take up on us our new identity. But we are disciples, and we want to be followers of Jesus. And we want to say, look, my identity says that I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm part of the kingdom of God. This is my identity, actually. I still have some time, eh? Okay. So, <laughs> we, and, uh, we understand that uh, when uh, one of the things that we preach to the Muslims is about baptism. And the reason that we preach this is that these people, they are coming to us, eh, and they say, I want to become a Christian, I want to be baptized. So we say, fine. But if you want to be baptized, it will not make you a Christian. So, let's start from the beginning now. Do you want to be baptized? or you want to follow Jesus? And they looked at us very puzzled. And they say, but isn't baptism gonna make me a Christian? And the reality is no, no. Because when we get baptized, we actually declare that under the water, we want to bury our fleshy life, we want to bury all of our sinful life, and then getting up to live the power of a resurrection. All of us, or most of us, I assume that we have been baptized. Have we buried our sinful nature? Or there are some here and there, some remnants. Have we buried the sinful nature? And do we live with the power of the resurrection? Because we get out of the water proclaiming in the resurrected life, and that Jesus has been resurrected. Do we do the same? This is a challenge for us to, to go back and remember what we have proclaimed for ourselves and think, do we live upon to what we have proclaimed? So let's live out what we have actually said because as disciples, we are actually invited to answer to the law of reproduction. And uh, if today you feel that you are gifted, if today you feel that you are called by God, then you are invited to advance the kingdom. This is the invitation that you have. Because Jesus said that more than I have done, you will do. So actually, Jesus is waiting from us to continue and finish what he started. I mean, doesn't this can blow our mind? That Jesus, God himself, is waiting from you and me to finish what he started. So, to go out and find the laws, to be with them, to pray with them, to heal them, to deliver them, to multiply them, to bring the good news. If Jesus did this, he said that you are going to do this, and he gave us the authority. He gave us the authority to do this. Because when Jesus said, follow me, we say this many times on our discussions and on our preachings, follow me. 
And what does this mean, actually? It means become like me. You cannot follow someone unless you become like him. When you follow, you become. You change. You are transformed. Your mindset is changing. Your heart is changing when you follow and you agree with the sayings of, of someone. So Jesus, this is what he said. He never said in the word, just become Christians. We don't read this. But he said to the disciples, follow me, follow me. So be transformed, leave everything behind, live like me. Come, we have a work for, to do. For these years that we are gonna be on this earth, which is just a break, it's only a break for the eternal life, these years that we are gonna say, stay here. So we need to invest on the eternal life and we need to invest to the kingdom. And to do this, we have to follow Jesus. And because as we follow, then we change here, we change here, we change in our spirit, and we change in our behavior. And we learn actually to go out and work with the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what we need. This is what we need. I mean, there are millions of lives over there that they are getting lost. They are getting lost. So what are we doing for this? What Jesus did, he took the disciples, says, come, I'm going to make you fishermen. So if we are following him, then what do we become? Fishermen. Let's go out and put our nets. And then Jesus said, follow me, and I'm going to give you the authority to go out and preach and heal and deliver. So what do we do? We go out and preach and heal and deliver and see the multiplication of the kingdom. So I believe that God today is, is calling us to, repentan, to repentance. And uh, is calling us to repentance from uh, all that we knew till now all that we took for granted in our life, so that we are going to allow the Holy Spirit, we are going to allow Jesus to shake us, to shake us, and break all these, uh, either it is culture, or it is legalism, or it is habits, or it is fleshly desires, whatever it is, to break it, so that we are going to allow the gold that he has given us, to go out and, and the perfume of Jesus Christ. In his word we read that we are his perfume. So when we go among this world, do they smell it? Do they realize that we are his disciples? Or we have to say, oh, you know I'm a Christian. Do they realize, do they read Christ in our life? Can they see this? Do they get convicted by the presence of, our, of the Holy Spirit? So let's, let's come in repentance and let's ask God to give us a fresh understanding of all this, to, to, to bring in us this deep desire to follow him and be his disciples and be ready to, to sacrifice because this is what we have been called, to sacrifice and to suffer. So let's pray, yes?